been told that I can't do something or you won't be able to. I've always been different and I've had no one who can relate to what I'm going through. It was always me finding and me searching. I had to grow up. I had to teach myself everything. I knew that I had to jump higher. I knew I had to focus a little more. I knew I had to put in a little bit more time to be faster. I pushed myself and I pushed myself so hard. I've been called a crippled, handicapped, disabled, gimp. But um, <laughs> I don't trip off those, man. I want people to see me as someone who inspires them to do better and to be better, despite the circumstances. Welcome, everybody, today. We are, are really honored to have Robert Anthony Rodriguez. Uh, he is such a unique person, and he's going to tell you his story, and we're going to share some really interesting tidbits about his life and how he overcame uh, what was diagnosed as fibular hemimelia when he was 10 months old, he underwent an amputation of his right leg just below the knee. And for some people that may have been, you know, a crushing event, uh, but Robert didn't let that bother him and slow him down in the least bit. And as we go through this story, you're going to understand how he overcame and how he continues to make a difference in the lives of people today. So uh, welcome, Robert, and, and thanks for being on the main event today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here uh, to share my story. So thank you so much. Well, you know, the, the thing that's been kind of interesting is that, you know, when you were growing up, um, you know, I, I guess you know, because you had your, your leg amputated before your first birthday, the first question is, were you treated differently or were you bullied as a kid because you were a little bit different than everybody else? Of course, absolutely. Uh, especially growing up uh, in the era that, of time that I grew up in, you know, people, there weren't many people with disabilities on television uh, or commercials. So it was tough and prosthetic technology was a lot different. So my leg kind of looked like a clunk of wood, if you will, or, you know, more like a peg leg than it looks now um, as people joke. And so I got bullied and it was tough. Uh, my family members, luckily for me. Um, so my dad was in and out of my life, but he was still there. He had a presence. My mom really took care of me. And then I was, had a a large family from my dad's side that I stayed close with. So um, my mom working two jobs, trying to fend for me. Um, I was always bouncing around from uncle, aunt's house, different people's houses, and they would beat me up. They would hide my leg. Um, they did everything to, to all the names in the book uh, so that I had tough skin. So by the time that kids would bully me, even though it hurt at school and it made me feel insecure, that I, I had a little bit of a tough exterior and that I was raised around a family that was kind of giving me all of these nudges and um, toughing me up and building me into that strong person. So I did get bullied and I just try to use that as motivation always, even when I was a kid. Just shows you how important it is that you're surrounded by people who love you. And, and sometimes tough love is the way to go because it does prepare you for the outside world. Yes. You had something extraordinary happen to you when you were three years old. You had a house that went on fire and 
I believe you lost your grandma in that house fire. Yes, sir. But the, but the thing that was, I mean, that had to be cataclysmic at three years old because I'm sure she was a very important part of your life. But then the story as it, as it went out, your mom had to carry you out of the house. Correct. And then she went back in the house. What'd she go back in the house for? Yeah, so my mom, you know, was one of my earliest memories. Um, I was very close to my grandmother, you know, unfortunately, and my my mother's father passed away when she was young. So all she had was her mother and a child with a disability. And this was actually four days before Christmas. So it was a tough time. And my mom wakes me up, she brings me outside. And she, you know, she tells me to basically hop to my, na to my neighbor, uh, which is what I would do without my leg on. And I said, mom, where are you going? And she said, I'm going back in the house to get your prosthetic leg. And she did, she made it out of the house okay. Um, my aunt, her sister had to jump out of the second story window and she suffered third degree burns all over her body. Um, and then my grandmother unfortunately was trapped in the house and she passed away in that fire. I mean, that, that had to have such an impact on you. I'm sure to this day, does it still affect you as you go about your day-to-day -day stuff thinking about her? It does. It's interesting enough. So uh, in various ways that it does affect you as an adult and you don't realize it, uh, at, you know, growing up, I've been very, uh, I'm very picky with my things. And, you know, we've come to know that it's probably because of the fire of losing all my things. So I try to be as attentive as possible. I keep my things organized. I like them set up the way that I am. I'm always watching over them, like as if I'm going to lose them again, um, which is, you know, probably something that just some trauma from there. Uh, and then, of course, just the, the thought of fire and um, the way that I embrace it uh, and just that time and those emotions, um, I find play in my day to day life for sure. Now, when you were young, you were actually a very good athlete, despite having a prosthetic leg. Yes, what sports did you like to play? And did you feel like maybe, I don't know, you had like superpower or something because you had this prosthetic leg? I don't know about that. I, I would love to say that I felt like I did. But, you know, um, I was a good athlete, you know, although I was missing my leg. And but kids were better, you know, even though I knew I was good there were kids that were better. And sometimes I might be playing a sport and my foot would break, you know, like in my little league championship. And I had to sit out, you know, for the rest of the championship. And that was something that was a motivating factor at that time to, you know, for my leg, or I was playing in a basketball game and, you know, my, I went one way, my leg went the other way, you know? Uh, so those type of embarrassing moments helped me. Um, and I utilized those things too, to know that all right, I have to be better. I have to train harder. I have to be a little bit more fit um, to keep up with everyone to excel because you don't want to just be a good athlete. You know, when you're competing, you want to be a great athlete, right? Uh, you want to be one of the best, one of the fastest. So, I've tried to encompass an, uh, a workload where I'm outworking everyone else, I guess, um, which has led me to being a competitive person. Now, you know, being an athlete and being a special athlete is, is one thing. And having those kinds of events happen in your life is pretty interesting. But you have other passions beyond sports. What else do you like to do? You like to you play music? So I used to rap back in the day. Uh, so I used to be a musician. Uh, we had a rap group, you know, called Prophecy. 
which was an acronym, you know, stood for a powerful revolution of people helping each other succeed. Why? Because we have to. And growing up in New York, you know, hip hop was a, a huge pr part of the culture. And growing up in a tough area, you know, I embodied hip hop and music. I started writing poetry, turned them into raps. And then uh, we actually made a way for ourselves. My uncle became um, my manager at one point. And uh, we were getting ready, my best friend and I, to go on tour with Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh until our egos got bigger than us. And uh, we were performing in front of thousands of people. We're getting ready to go on tour and we had a huge falling out and we wasted an opportunity. One of the things that happened was you wound up becoming a player on the United States amputee soccer team. How did that come about? Absolutely. So me being a young athlete and wanting to compete and going through uh, the trials and tribulations of having a prosthetic leg and the adaptive world, you know, competing with able-bodied athletes my entire life, uh, I started getting introduced to adaptive sports. And once I found adaptive sports, you know, it was a dream to be a USA athlete and to compete at the highest state, stage, of course. Uh, and so while pursuing, you know, I've played amputee basketball, sled hockey, and so many other sports, uh, then I got a chance to try out for the U.S. national team, and I couldn't turn it down. Um, the interesting thing enough, it was, uh, I was actually about a month and a half post dislocating my shoulder and not realizing, you know, of course I have to be on crutches. So I had to be on forearm crutches and going out to try out and say, you know what, Hey, you know, I I'm going to just give it all I have. And if it's in the cars for me and it's meant to be, you know, so I'm the type of person I don't like to live with regrets. And I'm just about trying, you know, if I gave it everything that I have and it doesn't work out, then there's nothing else that I can do. I exhausted it and it's just not meant for me. And so I did that and ended up making the team. Uh, I've been on the team for about five years. It's been phenomenal. Um, I've been able to score a World Cup goal uh, versus Nigeria. And it's just been a, a, an amazing experience. It's brought so many opportunities to my life on and off the pitch. And it's just a sport that I love to play. Well, you know what? You just said something in the middle of all of that because there was a lot to take in there. It, <laughs> Sorry it, about that. No, it's great because it's really, it's a message that everybody needs to hear is that you try, right? You give it your best effort. That's that's not failure. You just figured out that that's something that you, you're not going to do. Yes, sir. But you're going to keep going until you find the thing, whether it be rap or whether it be soccer or whether it be anything, if you have an interest in it, pursue it. Right. And, yes, and, and practice and, and surround yourself with good people. Now yes, I, I see behind you, and I have to ask you about this, your Jersey for the sled hockey team. And yes, I know, I know, you know, you and I have a mutual friend, uh, Brian Bloomquist, who unfortunately just recently passed away. Can you tell me a little bit about how influential Brian was in your life and, and how did you get, uh, you know, pointed towards sled hockey in the first place. Yeah, so Brian was extremely instrumental in getting me started, especially at the time, um, which was um, so important. He, him and the whole team just welcomed me with open arms, not only myself, um, but my cousin who I brought with me um, and a good friend. And a good friend of mine is the one who told me about it first. And they were very local in Long Island. So I said, why not? You know, and I went and tried out and had so much fun trying out. And he said, why don't you come and be a part of the team and be a part of the organization? And it was just an amazing experience because even with them, we've got a chance to play in Canada and Massachusetts and just travel around and compete and, you know, fight hard with people with Down syndrome, cancer, um, missing their legs, um, cerebral palsy. 
And, and so it was just phenomenal. And then he's been able, I've been able to do television shows um, because of sled hockey. Um, they've been a part of, you know, films that I've done. Uh, so in just helping people, um, no matter what level you're at, to know that you can do something, you can be a part of something and that it's a family and that we, you know, we all work together. We win together, we lose together, but no matter what we move forward and it doesn't matter what disability you have. The truth is the only real disability is a negative mindset. Well, you certainly are doing that, paying everything forward. You have an organization called the Limb Kind Foundation. Correct. And why don't you tell us a little bit about how that started and the kind of work that you're doing now every day with that foundation. Absolutely. So we have two organizations. One is Limb Possible. So that's my motivational speaking company. And then the Limb Kind Foundation uh, is a nonprofit organization um, that a friend of mine, Rob Shulman, he started. I've been with him since day one. Um, we actually, you know, I'm the first person to have signed up with him and we've built it from the ground up. And I'm a board member and I'm a volunteer. I'm a mentor for the patients. And what we do is we travel to different countries. We raise money here in the States and we do fundraisers. And then we go to different countries like Africa, Philippines, Haiti, where we provide prosthetics to children who might have, you know, gone through situations from the earthquake. Um, so we have some children who were traumatic incidents of having their legs cut off by a machete or bitten off by a hyena. I mean, these, these, situations are beyond and so that we get a chance to go we go for about eight days we work non-stop you know around the clock providing them with prosthetics um, as many children as we can uh, and help them walk before we go uh, because some of them might have never had a prosthetic they might have been in the same prosthetic for 10 to 15 years uh, and they have to take care of their families and they have to go shopping for their moms um, or help their dads so what we do is we raise money here and we go give our time and our energy to these children around the world so that they can have some type of quality of life and uh, Limkine has allowed me to take my dream as a young boy who doesn't come from much missing my leg um, to take that around the world so very thankful to be a part of it. Now closer to home you have a couple of little uh, rugrats that are in your life that must inspire you every day. Why don't you yes, tell sir. me about your family? Yes, sir. So again, you know, I come from a broken home, unfortunately. And, you know, my, my, one of my biggest dreams, no matter what I've been able to accomplish in my life was being a dad and being a husband, you know, trying to be that husband that I felt like my, my, my mother deserved and being that father that I felt like I deserved. So I'm very fortunate to have a beautiful wife. We've been together for 14 years. Um, she's my rock through thick and thin. I would never be able to do any of these things without her um, because she allows me to do them. And then she takes on the brink of the work of our two beautiful children, uh, my son, RJ, and my daughter, Liana. And they're everything to me. Uh, they are the reason why I keep getting up every day. And that's not only because they wake me up, but because they inspire me. And they're just what I dreamt of. You know, I dreamt of being a father and having, you know, children who are motivated, who push themselves, who are energetic. And to have them, you know, two beautiful, healthy children is just something that I dreamt of. And because I was born with, um, you know, a disability, first thing when they came out, I was like, do they have all their fingers? Do they have all their toes, their legs? All right, thank you. You know, um, so that was like the first thing that came out of my mind when, when they were born. So uh, to be a father, to be a husband is my greatest accomplishment um, and my, my dream come true, honestly. Do you have, what's your next bucket list then? What do you want to do next? 
Well, so right now I have a lot of projects in the works, uh, doing some TV things again, uh, some things that should be coming up very soon. Um, I'm doing some ads that people will see on social media. Uh, and, you know, right now I'm training still triathlon. So last weekend I was in LA, just got back from the national championship uh, for triathlon. I'm uh, 10 months into my journey and I made it to the elite level. So um, my plan is to, you know, be a contender and a hopeful for 2024 for Paris and working on my book, which should be done, you know, in the next few months here, and just continue to grow as a motivational speaker, as a father, as an athlete, um, as a prosthetic professional, and just do whatever I can to show people that anything's possible. So, you know, why don't you share with us, how would you get yourself pumped up on those days when you might not feel quite that pumped? A hundred percent. So when I was young, I used to pray maybe when I wake up the next day that my leg would grow back. That would be my thing. Like, Hey, maybe my leg will grow back today. Never happened. Right. Uh, so I, I, every day, you know, probably until I was about 19 years old, you know, and I, when I, once I started embracing my journey. So one of the first things I would say to people is just embrace who you are, embrace what you look like and what's been given to you, because when you embrace it, other people will too. One of my quotes that I came up with that I've been carrying since I was young is if you believe, then they'll believe too. So the more you believe in yourself, other people will believe in you as well. And it makes life a little easier. Now, if I woke up and my leg grew back, I don't know what I'd be doing because I built an entire career around missing my leg. So um, now it would not be as good if my leg came back the next day. But as a child, that's all I ever wanted. But of course, especially coming out of this last year, we all have a story to tell. We all have something you know, to share. And you know, there are many days that I'm often feel like, hey, maybe I'm overwhelmed because I have all these things going on, or I'm just not motivated today. I just don't have it today. You know, I don't feel like it. I want to crawl under a rock today. We all have those moments. And the one of the things that I do is honestly, I, I pray. I put on motivational uh, excerpts on YouTube. So if you have access to YouTube, I just just for words and confirmation, right? To hear someone speak positivity in my ear. I have power words that I use uh, so that I tell myself and that I tell my children um, and look in the mirror just to kind of boost yourself up and be your own cheerleader. And then I exercise fitness, you know, um, is a key because that allows us to release endorphins and to just feel uplifted. I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion. We're gonna put a, a link here uh, to a documentary, an Emmy nominated documentary that features our friend Robert Anthony here. Thank you. And he, he if, if you ever need a, a little pick me up, it's not a long documentary, it's maybe 20 minutes long. And I can just attest to the fact that if you were feeling a little bit down, you watch that video and you're going to come away feeling so inspired by this man who took the time to talk to all of us today. And we appreciate it very much. And there's one thing that one saying that you used, and I think it's in that documentary, it said, when I lost all of my excuses, I found all of my results. Yes, sir. Boy, oh boy. If that doesn't, you know, just synopsize everything that you're about, we wish you all the best in whatever your pursuits are. And thank you so much for taking the time today and making a difference in the lives with us on the main event. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for all the work that you're doing in the community. And it's just an honor to be here to share my story. So thank you for giving me the time 
and the platform to do so and for listening. And if I can be of any service in the future, please let me know. But you keep paying it forward yourself. And I hope everyone out there just knows that anything is possible. You can do anything that you want. Let the fire inside you burn brighter than the fire around you. Thank you.